Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Now, we started a series. Uh, This is the last day of it. Um, Next Sunday, we're going to start a new series. It's called Summer at New Song, and it's going to kind of going to kind of be standalone messages for the next, uh, you know, a couple weeks after that. And um, today we're finishing up the series, Four-Letter Words, and we're taking four-letter words and, and uh, actually redeeming those words, you know, like uh, by the grace of God, showing you what those words really mean and what, it, this, what the significance in our life is. So two weeks ago, we talked about the word wait, and we redeemed that word. Last week was the word pain. We redeemed that word, and now I'm going to share with you a word and you're going to say, nope, impossible, can't redeem that word, okay? And, and it's a four-letter word, and I'm going to show you that it's actually a great word. So it's going to, it's going to start out, and you're going to say, ooh, really? And at the end of this, you're going to say, oh, really? You know, like, good. Um, the, the word is obey, obey. Now, I know what just happened. I said the word of obey, and goosebumps happened all over your body because you're so excited about that word. You're like, oh, I love that word. No. No, nobody did that. In fact, everybody, you've been trained to hate the word obey. Like you have been trained to hate that word because when you were a child, your parents would come to you and they say, you better obey me. That did not put goosebumps on your arms, did it? When they were, no, in fact, you didn't like that word obey because it stood for don't do what you want to do. You've got to do what I say you're going to do, you better obey me, and you didn't like that word. I didn't either. In fact, um, some of you, like I, uh, I, I was raised in a generation that if I refused to obey, my backside got, a, got it turned on fire, everybody. Yeah, how many of you like me, you got a few spankings when you're, how many got a lot of spankings when you were growing up? All right. Yep, me too. And, um. Uh, uh, my, my mom and dad, they weren't having it. If I said no, buddy, I, I was in for a whipping. We don't call them spankings in the South. We call them whippings. You know what I'm talking about? And it was with a leather belt, everybody. You remember those days? And uh, I still remember several significant moments in my life that I want to forget, but I just can't. So when we think of that word obey, it doesn't produce these good emotions in you like, oh, what a wonderful word. It doesn't produce that. In fact, there's something in you that still says, oh, oh I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like to be told what to do. I, I want to be my own person. I want to do what I want to do. And I, I'm going to tell you that that mindset is not from God. So let me state that up front. That mindset, I want to do what I want to do. You say, well, that's the freedom I have. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about freedom today. Because that mindset is actually part, the mindset that says, I want to do what I want to do, that's part of your sinful nature. Did you know that? It's part of your sinful nature when it it comes to the things of God. Now, I I know that that every day you have decisions and 
You're like, you know, determining where to eat out. Well, I want to eat out where I want. That is no big deal. Who cares about that stuff? I'm talking about the big things in life. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm, I'm talking about our obedience to it, the word obey. And, and we're going to redeem that word today. And at the end of this message, you're going to realize how beautiful of a word it actually is and what it will produce in your life if you do it, okay? So we're going to start in James chapter 1, verse 22. Now, I'm going to read this portion of scripture to you, and I'm going to emphasize on purpose the word. I'm going to emphasize the Bible. I'm going to show you where this is in scripture. James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word. Don't just listen to it and so deceive yourselves. Do what it or the word says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it, the word says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Let me stop right there and explain this to you in the best way that I know how. It, it, this portion of scripture reminds me, let's, and I'm just pretending here, but let, let's just say we all know of a 16-year-old girl who's an anorexic. And she goes into the mirror and she weighs every bit of 75 pounds, but no more. And you're already thinking, oh, poor little thing, little thing, right? And she goes into the mirror and she sees the reflection, but she walks away saying, you know what? I need to lose another five pounds. I'm not going to eat anything else today. Because I still get, and you think, oh, that's not right. Poor little thing. She, she, she doesn't know who she really is. She doesn't see the real reflection. How many know what I'm talking about? He said, he said hey, listen, there's, there's these people who they look in the mirror, and after looking, they go away, and they immediate, immediately forget what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law or the word that gives freedom and continues in it or in the word, not forgetting what they have heard from the word, but doing it, but doing the word, living the word. Now, here, here are eight powerful words. They will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. If they do what? If they, if they embrace and adhere to and love and live out the word. Okay, how many agree with me that in James chapter 1, 22 20 through 25, that that portion of scripture is talking about, like I just showed you, is talking about the word of God. Raise your hand if you, if you agree with that. You see that in scripture, right? So if you, if you see that in scripture and we know it to be true, then we live that way. The Bible says eight powerful words. They will be blessed in what they do. Now, if I were to say, how many want the blessings of God? Of course, all of us say, I do. I want the blessings of God. Okay, the word of God, there is a direct correlation between the word of God and the blessings of God. I'm going to say that again. There is a direct correlation between the word of God and the blessings of God. You say, well, I don't have any trouble with the word. I, I, I really try to do what it says. I'm, I'm going I'm to kind of interrogate you a little bit this morning and ask you this question. It's just a one-word question. Really? Because I know a lot of believers that read 
through certain things in the Bible, and because they've been so thoroughly trained by society and by media and by high school friends and by coworkers, that when they, they come up to a touchy subject in the Bible, they're like, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. I've really been taught that this is okay. So do you really believe the word? Like, not just the good stuff, not, not just the fun stuff, not just the gray stuff, but do you really believe all of the word. And I want you to know here at New Song, we are Bible believers. And I adhere to the word of God and I teach the word of God in, in, in all of its majesty and all of its glory and all of its truth. There's not a subject matter in the Bible that scares me because the word of God is, is, is the source of truth and understanding and knowledge and wisdom And if we live by it, the word of God says we will be blessed. Well, I want to be blessed. I want new song to be blessed. Therefore, we adhere to the word of God. And you, so you're thinking about this like, well, you know what? There's some things in the word of God that I just don't, I just don't really like. There's some things that I just wish it didn't say. And you've heard me say this a few times in the past that there are sometimes I'll come across something in the Bible and I think, boy, I wish I had a little Bible eraser and and I could just go in and say, I'm not really comfortable with that and just kind of erase that out. But you can't do that. And I'm going to show you why. In fact, I'm going to show you how to redeem the word obey and that the word obey is actually a beautiful, beautiful word in the Bible. And I want to start it like this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Letter A. God's word brings freedom, not bondage. So there's a lot of people that think, well, if I obey the word of God, then, then that's going to restrict me. I'm, I mean, I can only do so much. And some of the things that I want to do, I don't know if they're really pleasing to the Lord. In fact, I know they're kind of borderline. In fact, sometimes we just know that they're over. But I really like doing those things. And, 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 and you know what? The, the word of God is so restricting, it's keeping me from, from the freedom that I want to have in life. And yet the Bible is so very, very clear that God's word is truth and truth sets us free. So freedom obedience to the word of God actually produces freedom, not bondage. And when you think that it's restricting, when you think that, it's, it, that it leads to bondage, what that's telling me is, first of all, you don't know the word, because if you knew the word, you would, knew that the, you would know that that's not the case. Let, let me say it this way. The, I, I, I've never known the word of God as much as I do today, and I've never been more free as I am today. I've never been more joyful as I am today. And the more that I adhere to the word of God, even when it counters culture, the the more freedom I have in Christ. In fact, not only that, but the more joy I have, because let her be, write this down, that true freedom always results in joy. True freedom always results in joy. So if we want freedom, we have to obey the word of God. And I'm going to prove that to you in a second. If we, if we want freedom, we obey the word of God. And when we obey, it produces freedom. And freedom produces joy. And some of the most miserable Christians I know are those who are trying to walk the fence. Some of the most miserable Christians I know have one foot in the world and one foot in the word of God, in the kingdom of God. And they're trying to balance on the fence. But can I tell you something? When they fall, it hurts. And they will fall. What's this verse? I'm going to prove this to you in Malachi chapter 4, and then we'll go from there. 
Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, but for you who fear my name, you could say, for you who fear my name, who respect me, who live according to my ordinances, according to the law, according to, 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 um, to, to my word and, and my judgments, for those of you who fear me and live accordingly, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Now, I remember growing up in the 80s and 90s in church and singing songs about that, how, how um, you know, songs about uh, rising with healing in, 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 in his wings. And, but watch this. It, it goes on, though. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Like freedom always produces joy. Have you ever seen a calf led out to pasture? It is the coolest thing. They, 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 all of a sudden, the barn doors swing open, and that calf gets, and they just run. And if you see them, they don't just run. They hop. And they go sideways and they kick and they're just so happy. If, if, you're, a, um, if you're a person who likes to spend time in the woods, at, at about you know, a half an hour before sunset, the woods come alive with deer. And a lot of times you'll see these little, these little yearlings come out of their bedding area and they'll just they'll run. And, and a lot of times it's, they'll just run in circles. And, and the mama deer, she's just... Well, there's Johnny. Let's let Johnny do. And then they'll start jumping and they'll start. How many of you have ever seen that before? If you've been in the woods, you've seen deer do that. They just, they run and they hop. And if there's two funs, if there's twins or something like that, a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll run with each other. I've seen them stand up on their hind legs and kind of kick each other with their front legs. I mean, they're just so playful. They're not trying to hurt each other. They're just playing because they just discovered freedom. They're out of the, 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 the bedding time of the day, and now they, the barn doors have come open and they're free. And I'm telling you, when you adhere to the word of God, the barn doors swing open and you're free. And there's joy in it. Remember in the Bible where, um, remember when uh, there, there's this guy and he's sitting there and he's begging, he's lame and he's begging. And, and some other disciples come along, these followers of Christ come along and he's like, hey, give me something to eat, give me some food. And and, and, and one of the disciples looks at him and says, hey, silver and gold, I don't have. You know the story. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that that guy was healed and he went running and leaping and praising God. How many sang that in Sunday school? Running and leaping and praising. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he, he acted like, like a calf led out to pasture, everybody. That's what he, he acted like a fawn who just woke up from his bed. That he went running and leaping and praising God, not caring who, who cared because he had finally been set free. And the Bible says that the word of God is truth and truth sets you free. And when you find freedom from that addiction that you've been bogged down to, when you, when you find freedom from a secret sin, when you find freedom from your anger, from your bitterness, from the, the wounds, from, from your hurts, from unforgiveness, when you find freedom from those things, all of a sudden, the barn door swing open and you come out of it like a crazy calf, running and leaping. But there will be a song of praise in your mouth. And it, it, I'm telling you, everybody, how many knows that freedom produces joy? 
It produces joy in our life. Now, I'm going to read some verses because I'm still showing you this in the Word of God, and we're redeeming that word obey. Then I'm going to show you some verses that are just going to be foundational about what I'm about to say. Okay, so here we go. Just three verses. I could have chosen dozens, but here they are. Psalm 119, 89. Your word, Lord, is eternal, and it stands firm in the heavens. Like when God speaks, when he makes a decree, whether, whether written, his word, or whether spoken, it is established and it stands forever. It's a decree. You can't change it. It's done. It's been set. And if you, it, let me say it this way. If you spend your days trying to change God's not mind on a certain subject, you are wasting your time. Because it stands forever. We should say amen to that. The second thing, Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. What, what that's saying is the things that we, that we think is beautiful, the things that we look at and say, oh, that's just so lovely. Well, it actually withers and falls, but the word of God is more beautiful than anything you could ever think or imagine. It stands forever. It's, it's been beautiful, it's beautiful now, and it'll always be beautiful. Isn't that cool? 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25, uh, Peter kind of responds to this. It says, for all people are like grass, and all of their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So he's talking about, hey, this gospel that we presented to you, that, that gospel is unchanging. Let me say this way, that Jesus is Lord now, he is Savior now, and he is Lord forever. He is Savior forever. He is God's Son forever. His, his authority has been established. And there is no changing it. There's no changing it. There's no adding to it. There's no taking away from it. God's word stands forever. It will endure. It will endure. So let me, let me break this down to you about what all of this stuff means. You can tell I'm passionate about this. You know why I'm passionate about this? Because there's a lot of believers out there that don't believe the word of God in its, in its, in its totality, in, its, in, in the, whole, the whole of it, in its fullness. They believe the parts that they want to believe, but they don't, they don't adhere to all of it because they've been taught by coworkers and friends and media and movies that the word of God is not always true. And they have believed a lie. Let, let, let me teach this to you even more. Write these things down as, if you can. That God's word, if, it is, if, it, if it's eternal, that God's word is not his presence is not his preference, it is his position. Let me say it this way. He's already made up his mind about that. And he's not looking at you saying, well, this is my preference, but you don't really have to choose that. That's not what he's saying. It's not, it's not his preference, it's, it's, it's his position. He's made up his mind about it. Let, let me say it like this, everybody. God has already, and, and, and I don't think anybody in this room would disagree with us or with this statement, but God has already made up his mind about the sanctity of life. There is no changing it. That should have gotten a bigger amen. He, let me say it this way. Let me go even further. God has already made up his mind about abortion. 
He's already made up his mind. Now, abortion is the taking of a life. But aren't you glad that God forgives? That people who have gone through and had abortions, can I tell you something? When they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are saved. Their sins are removed as if it never happened. Aren't you glad for the grace and the mercy of God that if people have made that mistake, if they've sinned in that way, that God doesn't hold it against them. If they come to him, if they, if they ask for forgiveness, if they, if they confess it to the Lord, aren't you glad, everybody, that God is a gracious God? Isn't that cool? So God's word is not his preference. It's his position. He's unchanging. James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes. He never changes. His position has been established. The next one, God's word is not his wish, but his wisdom. God's word is not his wish, but his wisdom. It's not that he's looking at us and saying, hey, listen, I just wish you'd do this. It's his wisdom that says, no, I know what's best. I know what's best. Let me, let me say it this way. That he, it's that way because he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. God is all-knowing. He is all wise. And so he, he's, he's given us his word to obey, not, not as, hey, I just wish you'd do this. He's given it to us not as a wish, but as his wisdom. So for instance, if you have a two-year-old child and, and you, you look at that two-year-old child, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go to a toddler and say, now, now really, I really wish you'd just stay out of the road, but that's your call. Right? I mean, if I did that to a toddler, you would say, you are a terrible parent. Why? Because that's not my wish for the child. That's my wisdom for the child. Because I know the dangers that are out in that road. Right? I was on staff at a church in, in DeMott, and um, the, the senior pastor there, uh, he and his wife, Yvonne, had six children, six beautiful children. And one day we were, we were working, Yvonne was at the house, and me and the pastor were in our offices, and, and, and lo and behold, somebody comes up to the house with Matthew, their, their child, and they, they say, um, your son was in the middle of the street, but it wasn't just a street, everybody. It was the highway. Little Matthew had just escaped, got on one of his toys, and went out to the street. Had no idea the danger that was out there. He was just playing. But mom and dad knew, and thankfully, by the grace of God, he was protected. Isn't that amazing? How many of you are grateful that God protects our children even when we're not looking? Amen. So he was protected by God. <laughs> but how many know that that's not a, that, that we don't just wish our toddlers to do something? We tell them things, we tell them to obey because we know that it's wise. We know the dangers that that. So, so now I don't go to a toddler and say, oh boy, I really wish you would obey, but. Sorry if you do. I don't know. No, I'd say you better stay out of that street. You obey me, right? 
And, and obedience in that moment, it's not bondage. It's actually a blessing. And when God looks at all of us and he says, hey, listen, listen, I know some things that you don't know. I'm all knowing. And when I tell you to obey, it's not, it's not for you to be in bondage. It's for you to be blessed. Because he's a good father. He's a good father. How many know that good fathers teach their children to obey? Well, so does our heavenly father. So does our heavenly father. The next one, God's word is not his suggestion. It is his standard. It is his standard. And, and standard is different from, from position, meaning, uh, me, position meaning, well, I'm not going to move on that. I'm not going to change my mind. Now, now we're talking stand. We're talking, everybody, that it is truth. That it is truth. In fact, you say, well, why is that? Why is God's word truth? Why? That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, but I'm going to give you just a glimpse of it. It's because God is divine in his divinity. He, he's not a man. The Bible says he's not a man. He is God. And in his divinity, there is a standard. There, in fact, he, he doesn't just set the standard. He is the standard. He is truth. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says this, Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Why? Because he is divine. He alone is God. And it is his standard. Let me prove this to you. Uh, this morning, just a, uh, a few days ago, um, Coles opened up to which my, my wife did a little jig in our house and not really, but she was really happy. I'll tell you that. Cause she just wanted to go shopping. And, and, um, so, uh, we went to, to Coles and, and actually took Grace there because Grace stays after her mom and likes to shop too. <laughs> no, actually my, if you know my wife, she's very frugal, actually, she doesn't spend she doesn't uh, overspend and stuff like that. But so we're we're at we're at Coles uh, and we're in that like young person section. And I decide because I'm a dad and I look at prices that I go to the clearance section, you know. And I'm just kind of wasting time, but just kind of looking through the clear clearance section. And I come across a shirt that I want to. I was I was going to buy it, but then I realized I'm way too cheap for that, and I could just take a picture of it, everybody, and save my money. So here's a picture of that shirt that I, that I saw. And you can tell it's a Disney shirt. It's from Frozen 2, and it says, live your truth. Live your truth. Now, what's, what, what's striking about that, in fact, I, I use it, my, I'm sure my kids, I bet they love it when I do this. Because I pull that shirt off the rack, and I, I show it to my daughter and say, what's wrong with this shirt? I'm telling you, she loves me being her dad. Loves it. And she's in the room this morning. Um, and actually, I, I use this as a, as a point to teach. I really did use it as a point to teach my child, but I also wanted to use it. I knew exactly I was going to, I knew exactly where to put this in the sermon today because I need to teach you something. That is one of the biggest lies that society is pushing right now. It is one of the biggest lies. Live your truth. Now, I know a lot of people, well, to, to me, that means, to me, that means, okay. Well, is it your truth? Okay, so let me, let me tell you, uh, right now, I'm, 
just making this up. But right now, I decide uh, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm, I'm not a Christian even. In fact, I don't really believe in God at all. I'm an atheist or agnostic or whatever. And I just, I just, I just decide in my life, I'm going to live my truth. I'm going to live my truth. Well, my truth is I hate my neighbor, and I think my neighbor deserves to die. So today, I'm going to live my truth, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to pull out one of my mini guns, and I'm going to take my neighbor down. You're like, that's wrong. Of course it's wrong. Well, that's just, why would you even, why would you even say that? Because if you live by the standard that says, live your truth, then anybody can do anything that they want to do as long as it's truth to them. You say, well, that doesn't really make sense. Well, of, of, of course it doesn't make sense. So, so there are countries right now that grown men in their 30s, 40s, 50s can marry a 10-year-old girl. You know what they're doing? They're just living their truth. That they've created a standard. And can I tell you something about their standard? It is sinful. And it's disgusting. And it's appalling. And it goes against the very nature of God. Live your truth. Who are you to determine what truth is? I'm just asking. Who are you to determine what's right and what's wrong? Because what's wrong for you, somebody else might say, well, that's right for me. So you think stealing is wrong. Okay, I don't. Give me your wallet. And I pull the cash out of there and I walk away because stealing isn't wrong to me. I'm just living my truth. You can't say a thing. I'm just, I mean, I'm just living my truth. You would say, well, that's wrong. You know why? Because deep down inside all of us, Unless somebody's conscience is completely seared, deep down inside all of us, we know that there is a standard. But whose standard do we follow? Do I follow yours? No. Because you might be some kind of screwed up. I don't know. Do you follow mine? I wouldn't. Because my wife has told me several times that I'm wrong. Sometimes I believed her. How many know what I'm talking about, everybody? You can't set the standard. You can't determine the truth. It's not in us to do that. So what standard then do we live by? See, see that, that shirt was actually for somebody, I think it was like it was a, a, I don't know, it was tiny. For no doubt some seven, eight, nine-year-old girl. And I think, what are we teaching our children? Live your truth. What are we teaching them? That they can just do whatever they want to do. That if it makes sense to them, it's just fine. See, see, and you say, well, is that really happening in the world? Guys, it just happened last night. Think, think, about, the, think about what happened to George Floyd, if you've been paying attention to that. Appalling, disgusting. I, would, I don't know about you, but I saw that whole thing. I saw the whole video. I was grieved. I watched a man die, and it's appalling. But then there's a lot of people out there that are living by their own truth, and they res they, they're responding to an appalling moment in the history of this nation. 
by being appalling, by looting and stealing and burning stores down and, and, and taking the hard work of, of private citizens who have built up their mom and pop shop and decide, ah, well, it's okay for me to take what you have. I'm going to go loot it. I'm going to burn it. Come on, everybody. Like, you know what truth is for them? That if you do something appalling, I'm going to do it back and I'm going to do it even worse. Come on. Come on. You, you know, and, and I'm saying, who, who gives you the right to determine truth? Who gives them the right to determine truth? I, I was just reading in, um, in, in the book of Job. Man, I've been really enjoying my devotions. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm so far ahead. I'm like 20, 30 days ahead. I don't know. Because I, I read the book of Job just in two days because I was just so like into it. I, and, and you know, I've never been into Job before. <laughs> Can I tell you the truth? How many of those guys, if you, how many have read the book? Of, no, I better not ask. Don't answer. But sometimes you get in the book of Job, and it's like somebody says this, and then he says that, and then they say this. And, the, and it's like this debate that's happening. And I'm not a debate guy. I don't like debates. Just tell me black and white. I don't want to, you know, but I have thoroughly enjoyed re reading the book of Job, I think, for the first time in my life. And I've read it multiple times. And I came to this verse in Job chapter 40, verses 8 through 10. Actually, 9 through 10. Are you as strong as God? New song, are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? And we would all say, no. Verse 10, all right. If, if you think you're so smart, if you think that you can determine truth, if you think that you can set the standard for the rest of the world, all right, put on your glory and your splendor. Your honor and your majesty. Come on, come on, let's see it. Let me see. You, you think you can set the standard? You think that your truth is truth? Come on, no, 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 show me your glory. Show me your splendor. Show, show me your majesty. Oh, wait, you don't have any? You don't have anything to show me? Your voice can't thunder in the heavens? Well, why am I going to follow you? How many know <laughs> that our God is a mighty God, that he is clothed in majesty and honor and strength and power? How many know that to be true today? See, everybody, he's divine. He set the standard. It's not our standard. We, we don't, can I tell you something? Truth is not in me unless, unless it's Christ found in me. That I have no truth to offer you. I'm not the truth. I don't have the truth. The only, the only means of truth in my life is that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that I am in Christ and he is in me. And because the God of the universe lives in me, I know the truth and the truth has set me free. Not because of me, but because of him. Everybody say amen to that. You see what I'm saying, everybody? See, see it's, not, it's, not, it's not God's suggestions. His word is not his suggestions. His word is his standard. It's a standard that we live by. It's a standard that we live by. And that means, everybody, you can't pick and choose. It's not your standard after all. There is no such thing as your truth. All truth is God's truth. Truth can only be found in God. Only in God. 
And he shows us his truth in his word. That's why, you know, when we watched the George Floyd video, we all grieved at that. You know why? Because it went against God's standard. So how do we know that 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 murder is wrong? Yes, I think he was murdered. How do we know that murder is wrong? Because God is life. How do I know that all the looting and the stealing is wrong? Because God gives. He's generous. How do I know that all the hatred is wrong? Because God is love. I could go on and on, everybody. You see, see, it's not my standard. It's God's standard. It's God's standard. I hope you're getting this, everybody. So we take his word. We take his standard. And when we embrace it and we realize that we're not as smart as we think we are, after all, what the world thinks is wise is foolishness to God. So we come to this point and say, Father, I'm not very smart. And God says, I know. And I'm here for you. And I want to live in you. And I'm going to help you. And I, In fact, if you just adhere to my wisdom, to my position, to my, to my standard, I'm going to bless you. And we say, oh. I want to be blessed. Well, good. God would say, that's what I have for you. I just do what I ask. Do what I say. Because I see things that you don't see. I see the traffic out on the road when you don't see it. So, so just obey me. Obey me. And I promise you, you'll be blessed. Because obedience brings freedom. And freedom brings joy. So you say, well, where, where, where am I on that? I don't, I don't know. Where are you on this? Where are you on this? I'm going to share these five things with you very quickly. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The five levels of of obedience to God. This is going to go very quickly. The five levels of obedience to God. The first one is you're just disengaged. You have no interest in a relationship with Jesus Christ whatsoever. You're just disengaged. I, I don't know that that's any of you here in this room, unless somebody, a family member, just insisted that you came here today and you're just doing it to, to make so-and-so happy. Or if you're watching online, you're watching this just to make so-and-so happy. You're just disengaged. The, the next one is you have desire. The interest is there, but not the commitment. Desire, the, the interest is there. So, so you attend church sometimes. You, you listen sometimes. You feel good about taking those small steps towards God, but in your heart, you know that your relationship with him could be far better than it really is. The desire is there, but not the follow through. The interest is there, but not the follow through. The next one is, then we have dedicated. And this is for those here in this room. And now we're getting to a bigger portion of people, not only in this room, but listening online, that you long, you're dedicated. You long for a real relationship with Christ. And so you attend church two to three times a month. In fact, you're faithful in prayer, or at least devotions every day, or at least a little devotional book. You may not read your Bible, but hey, you'll break out, you know, uh, our daily bread devotional or something like that. And 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 you give, but but it's not really a tithe. It's just an offering. It's it's the twenty or thirty dollars a week, and you know full well it's not it's not an actual tithe. But you want to do something small, and and you know. Good and well that God doesn't have 100% of your, your heart. So, so no doubt you're battling with the same addictions you've always battled with. 
You're still giving in to the same sin that you know that you should have stopped five years ago or 10 years ago or 40 years ago. You still have no idea what God's plan is for your life. You just wake up and you go to work every day and you come home and, and you try to make yourself happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you love the things of God. You love the thought of God. You love the people at church, but you're somewhat dedicated, but you're not really, not passionately dedicated. In fact, the next step brings us to this. Uh, it would be the disciples. Disciples are those that follow Christ daily, they, they, but they're often known for being too busy. The, the disciples are following Christ and, and, and usually laying down their own desires in exchange for his. They're faithful in witnessing. They try to tell other people about Jesus and serving and caring, and they're part of a dream team. And There's still some weaknesses in their life that they're trying to overcome, but most people aren't aware of them. They're just kind of secret Struggle, secret sins. And, 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 and typically the disciple battles with setting priorities. Time management, having too, much, have, having too many irons in the fire. It's, it's the person that, that is, is here, is active. It's, you, you know, um, maybe even giving a full tithe to God every week. And, 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 and the pastor calls or somebody in the church calls and says, hey, can you, can you lead a small group? Oh, man, I, I just don't have time for that. I'm, I'm just too busy. I got so many irons in the fire. I, I just, yeah, you know, hey, count me in for doing, you know, such and such on Sunday morning. You want to be involved. You want to expand. You just haven't really dedicated your life to it as of yet. And you have a lot of strengths, but there's still some of those areas that, you just know your priorities aren't in order yet. And then we have the doers. The doers, you're actively involved in ministry. Jesus is the focal point of everything that you say and you think and you do. You're, you're fulfilling God's plan for your life. You know his purpose and you're living it out. You know exactly what God has called you to do and you're living accordingly. You're making, you make up a very small percentage of the people that get most of the kingdom work done. You're avid about your relationship with God and put a high priority on being a, a, a significant part of what God is doing in the world, the doer. It, it's the person that, that just lives a sacrificial life and they have discovered the true joy of serving somebody else. They know their purpose and they're living it out. And every time they talk to you, every time they... They're always talking about Jesus. Everything that they say, everything that they think, everything that they do, the focal point is Jesus. You're, you're just a doer. Now, I'm not saying the doer is perfect. The, the doer is still being sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit, but the doer is somebody who, who knows how to teach the word of God, instruct others. They know how to witness. They, they, they've already taken off the mask in front of somebody and said, hey, here are my secret sins. I don't want to deal with these things anymore. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? They, they, they've submitted themselves to a, their authority. They really study the word of God and not only study it, but they apply it and live it out. The doer, the doer. Where are you? Are, are, you, a, are you disengaged? Do you just have the desire? Are, are you dedicated like you're two, three times a month and you're happy with that? Or are you a disciple? Well, well, you get it right most of the time, but there's still some tweaks that need to happen in your life. Or are you the doer? Where are you? And I want you to think about it, maybe even write it down. 
Where are you right now? Now, we did a, a, a long time ago, we did a, a, a survey on this. What I wanted to do today, we, but we can't because of handouts, can't do that. Not everybody's here. But this is what we found out last time. That, that between being disengaged and just having a desire was about 11% of our church. Now, this is going back years ago. I know that these numbers have adjusted, no doubt. In fact, I think that number would be far higher than it really is right now. The, the number of people that are dedicated, the percentage, 35%. Like about a third of our church, they're dedicated. They're, they're here two times a month. They, they throw a $20 bill in the offering plate. They, you know, they, they might even shake hands with people on a Sunday morning. They're dedicated, but they're not yet disciples. Disciples make up, at, at this time, 42% of our church. And then the doers, at that time, were 12%. You notice the doers and those who were disengaged or had desires, or just the desire, those, those percentages were about equal. 11 12%. Most people fell right in the middle. Where do you fall? Where do you fall? And, and my, my, my goal for today is twofold. The first one, that you just move to the next step. That you just move to the next step. Can I tell you this, everybody? You're not going to be a doer automatically if you don't know your purpose. You're definitely not. You need, you need to get plugged. You need to talk to us about your purpose. You need to go to next steps. And actually, we're, we're, we're redeveloping the entire system. We call it the pipeline. We're actually, we're calling it the journey. Because even next steps, we found out that's not enough time to really teach you your purpose in life. And so we're creating a discipleship class just for you to dis discover your purpose. It's going to be in a small group format. And that's going to be this fall. You need to get plugged into that. Not everybody's going to be a doer overnight, but can you take the next step? Can you take the next step? And the answer is yes, we all can. When we move desire to discipline. But I, I said it was twofold. Not just take the next step, but that you make it your goal in life by the grace of God to say, you know what? I will not be satisfied until I'm a doer of the word. Until I'm a believer, a full-fledged believer in the word. The Bible says it this way. Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers also. That's a command. That's, that's, that's the Lord looking at you saying, hey, 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 listen, don't you dare just be a hearer. You be a doer. Now, obey me. And if you're wise, you'll say, yes, Father. Yes, Father. Because you're a good Father and I trust you. And I know that you see things I don't see. And I know you're living for my benefit. And I know that the one who does those things is blessed. And I want to be blessed. And so with all of my heart, I say, yes, Lord, I will obey. Yes, Lord, I'll follow after you. Yes, Lord, I'll listen and I'll do what you've asked me to do. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll adhere to your word. I'll study it. I'll know it. And I'll embrace it in my life. I'll apply it to my life. I want to know you. I want to be blessed by you. I want to be the person that you've called me to be. I want to be a doer. So yes, Father, I say yes. And when you do that, the Bible says, you'll be blessed and you'll be free you'll have joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. 
you'll be like a calf let out of the barn and you'll go running and leaping and praising God for the freedom that you found through obedience, through obedience. There was one time in, in my life very specifically that I was in college, a Christian college, and my roommates were doing some things that were not too godly. Not my roommates, uh, floor mates. They lived on the same floor as I did, as I was. And, and the old Justin used to walk in and just let them do what they wanted to do. And, you know, got, even, even join in. And it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, terrible things. Just, but it wasn't godly. And I remember I walked into the room and they had a movie going that they shouldn't be watching. And the old Justin would have just sat down and watched it. And they had some conversations going that the old Justin would have, would have taken part in. And in my heart, I just had enough of that. And I thought to myself, am I, am I going to follow Jesus or not? And I walked in and I just looked them all in the face and said, guys, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit has just really convicted me of this. I can't do this anymore. And I just want to encourage you. Guys, there's a better way to live life. I think we ought to choose what's better. And I just decided to take the lead. and Lead them towards integrity. Just teach them, hey, there's a better way to live life. This isn't life. And I walked out of that room not knowing if anybody was going to follow my lead or not. And I walked out of that place so free. Just, like just joy. I did it. I walked away. I did it. I, I didn't give in to that. And they all, one by one, came out of that room and said, you're right, Justin. We're done too. We're not going to do that anymore. And we all just chose freedom together. Isn't that cool? Did you know that God's calling all of us to be leaders like that? And we just lead the way through obedience. And I'm telling you, when you obey, you'll discover freedom and you'll discover joy. You'll have a smile on your face knowing that you're making a difference. Let's not be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word also. Because his word is beautiful. His word is lovely. It's pure. It's right. It's admirable. It's excellent. How many know what I'm talking about? There are times in my own prayer life, and you might think this is weird, but it's true. There are times in my devotional life, in my prayer life, in my past, where I've literally taken the word of God and I've just embraced it. Because I've loved it so much. There have been times where I've kissed the pages of this book. You think, Pastor, that's just weird. Not if you were there. One time I was reading about the grace of God, and I never really understood grace, but I, at this moment I had, a, I had an awakening to the grace of God that I didn't have to live a life of guilt, that I could live a life of gratefulness because of His grace. And I remember looking at that portion of Scripture and holding His word up to my mouth, and I just kissed it, and I embraced it. I said, oh, God, thank you for your grace. See, His word set me free. Love His word. I embrace His word. His word has changed me. It's changing me, too. Is it you? Lord, we love this word. 
We love this book. It teaches us about you. And the more we learn about you, the more we love you. The more we stand in awe of you. And Lord, today we take, we take back that word, obey. And we realize how beautiful that word really is. That it leads to our freedom and it leads to our joy. And we embrace it. We embrace you. Lord, change us by your word. And remind us that there's no such thing as living our truth. That you are truth. That all truth is God's truth. All truth is yours. And we can either surrender to it or we can reject it. But today we choose to surrender to your word. We surrender to truth. Thank you for setting us free. Now, New Song, could you just open up your hands toward heaven? Lord, after we've confessed that we've re rejected your word at times, we confess that we've sinned against you, we confess that we had beliefs that were in opposition to your word, that we did not align our lives with your word, we confess that. And we know you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <laughs> and now today we surrender to your word. We submit ourselves to your word. And we know that from this day forward, as we adhere to your word, embrace your word, we will be blessed in what we do. And now that freedom is active in our life. It's made alive in us through our obedience. And today, right now, with open hands toward heaven, we receive joy that is glorious and inexpressible. We thank you. Thank you for giving us joy. Father, I receive your joy right now. Come on, just pray that prayer however you want to. Father, I receive your joy right now. It is mine in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for filling our lives with truth, with your presence, with your glory, with freedom, with, with joy. We love you so very, very much. And we pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.